Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Ness, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. All right, now I'm going to talk briefly about the sponsors that make this podcast possible. And keep in mind that all the money from these sponsors goes towards hiring outdoor journalism interns. This year, we've hired three interns and paid them $15 per hour. And over the course of this podcast, we've hired seven different interns, not only helping us report on Oregon's outdoors, but also teaching young college students journalistic skills that they can carry forward. Plus, it's a pretty fun internship anyway. They get to travel outdoors, report about the environment. It's a good gig, and these sponsors make it possible. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that before we get rolling. So this part you'll recognize. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley that is focusing this summer on the best way to care for its forests, beaches, and waterways through a promotion that emphasizes cleaning up and leaving no trace. We'll dive into how they do that just a little bit later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department encourages Oregonians to enjoy parks safely this summer. If you're camping, please follow campfire safety guidelines, such as keeping the flames from your fire to no more than two feet in height and using the fire ring provided at your campsite. And please use local wood to avoid bringing invasive insects into parks. This will help preserve the health of Oregon's forests for seasons to come. Learn more about campfire safety guidelines, including current restrictions, at stateparks.oregon.gov. All right, in today's episode, we are going to talk about the mountains, lakes, and forests around the recreation hub of Sisters. We're going to talk about one of my favorite places to camp, hike, and fish, a true base camp for adventure, before diving into a new plan for hiking trails around the central Oregon town that will impact some of the most beloved pathways in the state. But first, here's some guitar music to get us going. All right, well, in today's episode, we've got a very special guest who is joining us to talk about Central Oregon Recreation, and that is Sisters Ranger District Ian Reed. Ian is in charge of 325,000 acres of Deschutes National Forest, including places like Black Butte, the Metolius River, and the Three Sisters Wilderness, along with the Mount Jefferson Wilderness. Ian's been a district ranger in Sisters since 2017 and joins us today. Hey, Ian, how's it going? It's going great, Zach. Yep, doing solid here. Just got back from the, the lookout fire over on the Willamette National Forest and got a trail run in with my with my dog this morning. Skies are blue for now, so so feeling good. And uh, looking forward to today. A big fan of your uh, your podcast as well. 
They do that to you guys during the summer. They kind of bounce you around to the different fires as things pop up, right? Yeah, yeah, we do kind of go where the the need is. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, it's important to help our our neighbors, uh, you know, where they have uh, a large incident. So uh, it was was an honor and a privilege to go over there and help, uh, help them out on the Willamette National Forest. All right, so Ian and I have two primary topics that we're going to focus on today. We're going to really dive into the gem that is the Three Creek Lake area. It's a place to camp, hike, fish, and boat. It's one of my favorite places to explore in the summer and the winter. So we'll dive into how to have the best experience there, along with some of the issues that have arisen there and what the Forest Service is thinking about doing about it. So that's the first half. In the second half, we're going to talk about a new plan for trails in the Sisters area that could really affect some beloved routes, including in the Mount Jefferson wilderness, like Canyon Creek Meadows, while proposing some very fun new mountain bike routes. But again, we're starting off with the Three Creeks Lake area. So Ian, for you, what makes this such a cool place? You know, why visit? Yeah. Well, first, Zach, let me um, just clarify the name on it. So, so it, it truly is Three Creek Lake, and, um, th- and then the S is for the brewery. So it's Three Creeks Brewery and and uh, and Three Creek Lake and then Little. Well, that's Three not Creek confusing Lake. at all. That, that's not confusing at all. I mean, how are you? Why would they do that? I, I mean, because I don't know. <laughs> I will say because, like, I think I I think I said it right. Maybe I, I missed it a few times, but the, your your like tongue just wants to add an S to it. It just sounds more natural as Three Creeks Lake in your totally in my agree. head. Yeah, totally agree with you. I know. <laughs> Have yeah, you had, I, have you, have you talked to the brewery about that and been like, what are you doing? Well, it's, it's funny. Um, when I first got to sisters, I, uh, I, I hadn't actually even, I was kind of in transit here and I stopped by at, at the brewery and had a, a meal and a, and a pint. And, and I asked the staff, um, you know, what, what are the three creeks form the brewery? You know, what, what are they? And, and they, um, you know, it's just said, well, no, it's, it's the lake uh it's just the name of the lake and i said oh okay so it's three creeks lake and they said yeah <laughs> then the map says three creek so i don't know there's an s or there's not an s depends on on who you talk to but um but the maps do say there is no s on the, on the map so what, what you know what makes it stick out and what are the three creeks, the three creeks <laughs> yeah well the the they're unnamed um so the, we'll start with that one they, they don't actually have uh, specific names that feed the the lake um the hydrology is is actually pretty interesting up there and we, we can talk about that here in a bit but um back to you know what makes it such a gem uh in in my perspective is uh you know it's it's relatively close to town and and full services you know everything that the city of sisters uh, offers but it really feels like you're in a backcountry experience for me and um, so that's, uh, you know, the water is just really good temperature and, and very clean and pure for swimming, for boating. Uh, there's this amazing sandy beach, which I think you're familiar with on the south side, that almost feels like you're, um, you know, like you're almost at the beach a little bit, uh, the ocean. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's just a, a great spot for day use. Uh, you mentioned the campgrounds, uh, just, you know, excellent views of the, of the lake and all of the the surrounding uh, landscape. Uh, there's a, a nice store, uh, marina to to rent watercraft if you don't have your own or don't want to bring it up. Uh, you can buy other supplies there. The fishing's killer. Um, it's just a great view, nice relaxed vibe. 
uh, without um, you know motors on, on the boats. And uh, it really has seen a, a, lo- a large influx of uh, the stand-up paddleboard community yeah. also in the recent years. Yeah, it's kind of perfect for the stand-up paddleboard experience, especially with kids, because it's also kind of a shallow entry. And so kids can screw around on the paddleboards, kind of fall off and whatever. But then you can get out there and it's pretty fun. It's not 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 intimidating uh, as a place to paddleboard. So it's kind of hits all the all the boxes for a good paddleboard lake since i know everybody in central oregon just kind of does that now they just bring their paddleboard to the lake and yeah uh, that's, that's sort of how they experience so let's talk about you know how to successfully plan a trip up there so my favorite way has always just been scoring a campsite at either three creek or driftwood campground um they're on opposite sides of the lake and while they are popular it hasn't been too hard for me to get a reservations there like you know, either plan way in advance or just check back consistently. Like I just, I usually pick up uh, people who've canceled and I've gotten weekends lately. I've gotten pretty good campsites. So that just seems to work. Um, And, you know, you grab those on recreation.gov. But what are the main differences? You know, the pros and cons, the differences between Driftwood and Three Creek? Because those are the the two campgrounds that are like right at the lake. And that, you know, if you want to do this, I would want to get a campsite there. Yeah. Well, so so here's here's a couple uh, ideas of differences. Uh, so so let's start with driftwood because it would be the f- the first campground that you would come to. Uh, you know, it's it's the northern campground. So driftwood is more secluded because there's a, a separate access road that that leads to it versus uh, Three Creek Lake Campground, um, and so it's it's more secluded. In my perspective, you have a, a little bit better view of Tam MacArthur Rim because you're mm-hmm. you're kind of looking out at the at the rim itself. So you have the the lake in the foreground and then Tam MacArthur Rim in the background. So just a little bit different view. You know, there's good shade at a lot of the campgrounds in um, in Driftwood. The the challenge I think is a lot of the sites are are not that level. And so they're almost like walk-in sites where you can't um, you know if you're mobility limited, it, it's going to be a little bit tougher to get all of your things uh, to set up, um, uh, in, in those campsites at Driftwood. And, uh, some of the sites are pretty challenging actually to pull a, a small trailer into, or, a um, or a tent trailer, a pop-up trailer into as well. So those, that would be, you know, some of the, the challenges with, um, Driftwood, uh, you know, Three Creek campground on the, you know, this conversely, the sites are, are more level and they, they're closer to that nice, uh, sandy beach that we talked mm-hmm. about earlier on the south end of the, of the lake. Um, so very, I think, good for kids, people who might be a little bit mobility limited, not as steep to get down to the water there. Uh, the challenge with uh, Three Creek Campground is it is um, it's on that end of the, the lake where all of the day use is as well. So there's really no separation between day use and camping there. And there's a lot of um, people who will kind of park kind of in or, or right next to the campground for day use. Uh, and they'll cut through, you know, campgrounds. Um, they'll drive around to look for a parking spot. So much busier on um, the, that south end of the lake at Three Creek Campground. So if you wanted, you know, more privacy or seclusion, uh, um, I would recommend um, doing Driftwood. If you like lots of people and uh, want a level site, th- Three Creek Campground itself. But, you know, there's neither of them. You're not going to go wrong with either of them. You know, they're, they're, they're both pretty, pretty sweet spots and uh, pretty lucky to have them up there. Yeah. Three Creek is, I, I, that's the one that we've, we've gone to both times um, because of that access to the beach. 
uh, the beach is really like the kind of end all be all almost when you have yeah. uh, younger kids the way we do, just because it's so easy to launch. But it does get crowded there. Um, I think there's some pretty nice like sites on Driftwood that are pretty close to the lake too, like almost a little bit closer. Am I wrong there? I, I believe there are a couple. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't spent a lot of time in Driftwood, but um, I believe there are a couple. But then there are, are definitely some other ones as you kind of go um, more to the west that are you know farther away from the lake okay well what makes the best time of year to visit three creeks ian just because you know mosquitoes are, are can be a, a factor up there um you know it can be busy there's lake temperature to consider there's uh there's fishing to consider so what's your favorite time to go and i mean what what are the pros and cons of the different parts of the summer because i mean i think in general i would wait until august at least uh, to get up there. Um, you know, maybe people go in there a little bit earlier to fish and stuff like that, but I feel like August is probably the high season, but tell me about the pros and cons of the different time periods of the summer. Yeah, I think, I think August is a great month. Um, for all those reasons that you just mentioned, I think that the fishing can definitely taper off a little bit in August cause that lake will stratify a little bit. And so the, the water, you know, could be a little bit warm, you know, in, in the, you know, in the upper, uh, portions of the lake, but you know, certainly the fishing could be good at you know near near dawn and dusk. But a middle of the day might be a little challenging in August. But um, yeah, the the water is going to certainly be warmer there. You'll have fewer mosquitoes. Uh, one challenge of August, you know, lately is just the smoke, and so you know sure. you're you're going to be more likely to have wildfire smoke in August. Um, I went up there in July this year. It was a my wife and I's 20 year wedding anniversary. So we, we went up there with a bunch of friends and uh, just did day use up there. And it was great. We, we had a, a fantastic time. We hung out on that south end of the beach, set up a sunshade, had some uh, paddle boards and, and kayaks. And the, the water was was brisk, but um, you, you could you could certainly swim in it. No problem. Uh, the mosquitoes weren't bad at all. So it was, uh, you know, that was the uh, middle of July. And it was, I thought, perfect. Um, it was right after we, we opened it because of the road construction. Mm. But um, yeah. that, that was great this year. But, you know, every year is going to be a little bit different. But I would say, yeah, August, uh, September, you know, once, you know, kind of your typical post-Labor Day when uh, when the, the crowds start to, to decrease in, in the outdoors due to, to school starting, uh, that's, that's a good time to visit as well. So, yeah. And then, of course, we'll, I think we'll get into some of the winter opportunities up there also. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so, you know, if you're headed up there in the summer, you've got your sites, you know, Driftwood or Three Creeks, uh, you know, you picked a nice time of the year, either the kind of quieter September or maybe like the peak, you know, summer experience of August. Um, I think my favorite thing, you know, beyond those about Three Creeks is just how much stuff is around it. Like it's a good base camp. You could spend a week there and not get bored. Um, but let's start on the, the simple end. You know, as a dad with young kids, I love the big accessibility of that sandy beach we talked about. Uh, just a great place to make sandcastles, set up a sunshade and then swim. But boating is probably it seems that that's what people seem to go up there to do probably most. So how do most people boat at Three Creeks? You know, you mentioned it's a non-motorized lake. Um, so what are the different crafts that you're seeing around Three Creeks? Sure. So typically it's a drift boat or a kayak. Uh, also I've seen rubber rafts um, and float tubes. Uh, and, and then, like I mentioned, the stand-up paddle boards are, are becoming super popular. So um, there, there, there are no motors, even electric motors are, are prohibited on, on the lake. So basically everything has to be either, uh, you know, arm, arm powered or, or foot powered up there to, uh, to get around. And, 
there, there, we do have a boat ramp there. It's, I, I, I use kind of air quotes around the word ramp because it's really not a, a ramp. It's really just an area where you can go and launch a, a, a drift boat off a trailer um, or uh, you know, launch a paddleboard or a kayak. Uh, the parking is very limited there, um, but you can also, like mentioned, you can rent some watercraft at the, the Three Creek Lake store and marina if you don't um, have it or if you don't want to deal with like bringing a trailer up to, to haul your your uh, watercraft, you can you can get set up there at the at the marina. They have pedal boats uh, and rowboats and uh, and I believe stand up paddle boards as well. So uh, so so you can rent them by the hour or or by the day. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a fun little store. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, no bigger than a shack, but, uh, you know, they, it, it, I can see the upside. We've never done that just cause we tend to bring, um, you know, our own stuff, but it would be really nice. I've always kind of wanted to rent like a little rowboat and, and, and do it that way, but, uh, just, just haven't so far. So, you know, if boating is the most popular, I think fishing is probably a, a close second, um, pretty robust population of brook trout. I've also heard it's stocked with rainbow trout, but can you kind of give me a breakdown of, of what you're catching there and, and why people go up there to fish? Yeah, those are the two main species. The, the brook trout, uh, my understanding, you know, is they're, they're naturally reproducing. Um, they um, do pretty well um, yeah. in, 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 you know, anywhere where there's a little inlet or an outlet stream. And, and even in some of those uh, high mountain lakes where there's no inflow, they can, they can spawn actually in the gravels. I did my master's thesis actually on, on brook trout and, and wilderness lakes. So I, I learned a little bit about them, but, um, but the rainbows uh, are stocked and um, there are some pretty nice size rainbows stocked in there from time to time. Uh, mm. Plus there's, there's holdover trout that make it through the winter. And then there's, you know, kind of your typical, you know, what, what ODFW, you know, kind of refers to as legal, uh, legal, you know, kind of put and take um, rainbow trout as well. So there, there are a lot of fish, you know, per, um, per acre in that lake and uh they're pretty tip they can be pretty easy to catch although there's times when it seems like nothing's really working for them uh, yeah. but but there are some good catches um all methods work you know whether it's it's a bait or uh, you know lures either either casting spinners or trolling from a from a watercraft uh, fly fishing it can be really popular for fly fishing both you know fishing kind of subsurface with uh, with leeches or or midge larvae uh, some people will go up there and they'll fish a couple different midge larvae like under an indicator and uh, that can that can be pretty uh, dang effective for um, for the, the the stock trout um, there are opportunities to fish uh, for dry uh, with dry flies uh, up there and uh, the beetles uh, ants, uh, you know, other uh, terrestrial insects, those, those work well. There's, there can be a pretty good hatch of, uh, of mayflies also that come off there and as well as midges. And so, um, so those can all be effective, you know, different times of the day. Um, it, it's really fun uh, to go up there and fish and watch the ospreys and the bald eagles uh, fish mm. as well. There's a, there's a good osprey and bald eagle population up there. And uh, so it's, it's always neat to kind of use them as a guide on you know, where the, the, uh, the hot spots might be for, uh, on the lake where the, where the fish are. So, uh, but yeah, no, fishing is really good. The, the, um, the lake, you know, stays cold, uh, especially, you know, as it starts to stratify that bottom layer, it's deep enough. And so the, the meat of the fish tends to be in really good shape. And, uh, and so, yeah, always nice to be able to catch a couple and either cook them up in camp if you're camping up there or bring them home and, uh, and, and cook them up on the, uh, on the barbecue. 
Yeah, I think the old, I've only caught brook trout up there, and they're really they're pretty fun fish to catch. I mean, they tend the ones I've caught have been a pretty decent size. Like they haven't been, you know, the little tiny high alpine lakes ones. Like they're good sized, and they they fight good. They're really pretty. Um, yeah, it's the the brook trout up there are great. I, I totally agree. I think brook trout. I mean, they're they're certainly uh, they're they're not native to. Uh, to the Western United States, but they, the, the beauty of a brook trout, um, especially in its, in its spawning colors, um, it's tough to find a prettier looking fish than the, than the Eastern brook trout. Yeah. It's so fun. And I've, I've fished just about everywhere, uh, there now. And the only place I ever catch them was, is where those creeks come in. I guess they're the unnamed creeks, mm -hmm. but I just follow the, the creeks out and just cast at the end of that. And that's, that's seems to be the place I have the most luck, but there's, there's a lot of different places around the lake that people tend to score at, right? Yeah, I think, you know, by, toward the dam uh, is typically a good place. There's, uh, you know, that, that southern uh, sandy beach that you and I have talked about earlier. That mm -hmm. area, um, there's a drop-off right there past that sandy beach. And so a lot of times fish will kind of hang out right on, that, on the breaks there, right at the drop-off. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's a good spot to, uh, to try. You know, the fish, when they're stocked, they're, uh, they're stocked, you know, close to that, uh, you know, the, that boat ramp area. So, um, you know, and they'll kind of hang out there for a couple days uh, as well. So, so that's always a good spot, you know, just kind of close to the boat ramp to, to fish. So, so you just mentioned a dam. Is that a natural dam or is there a man-made dam that, that works on the, the, the depth of the lake and stuff like that? Yeah, there's a, it's an artificial dam. It's an earthen dam. And uh, there's a long history to the, the dam up there. Uh, currently, it does not uh, change the water level at the lake at all because the outlet structure is is held open, uh, and so basically the lake elevation is you know the the inflow or the outflow of the lake matches the inflow, and so uh, the dam right now is is not providing a, a control to uh, increase that lake elevation, but um, but th but there are, yeah there's some interesting pieces to that dam, Little Three Creek Lake, which we're going to talk about later too, I think also has a, has a dam and uh and we'll talk about that at the end um in terms of future uh projects around the three creek lake area okay um all right so we've got camping we've got fishing we've got boating the other obvious one is is hiking there's a lot of trailheads um nearby that it's pretty easy to to go out and hit the one the only one i've gone to um up there is the pretty short and pretty family friendly hike up to little three creek lake like you just mentioned i think it's 2.5 or three miles from that that big kind of obvious trailhead you have um on the lake um you know nice hike just kind of through the forest and stuff like that and then really a striking pretty lake um i was sort of expecting something a little bit smaller uh with the name little three creek lake but it's a pretty big lake there was actually people up there backpacking uh which kind of surprised me um, so, you know, that's kind of the easy one, I think it's, uh, but what are the other big trailheads and hikes that you can do in that area? Cause there's a lot. Sure. Well, I think one of the most popular ones, Zach, certainly is Tam MacArthur Rim Trail and there's, there's mm -hmm. the hiker's trail and then there's the horse trail. And I think, um, those two are, are probably the highlights. Uh, however, there are so many, like you mentioned, um, now, now Tam MacArthur Rim does require a, a day use permit for, the wilderness. Uh, it's one of um, 19, I believe it's 19 out of 59 uh, trailheads require day use uh, limited entry permits. And so Tamakartha Rim is one of them. And so that one, you, you'll have to do a little bit of planning in advance because there's really no cell service 
up there uh, at the lakes to uh, to get a permit. And so a little bit of uh, of just pre-planning is uh, is required for that. But there are some other ones you could go down to Trapper Meadow, uh, which does not require a wilderness permit. Uh, you could go. Uh, like you mentioned, to Little Three Creek Lake, and there's some, a couple other trail junctions in there that you could kind of do a little loop on. And the other one, which I think is really spectacular, is, um, and this one would require a, 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 a day use or, or, or an overnight wilderness permit, is um, Park Meadow. And mm -hmm. you can get to Park Meadow from um, Little Three, or from Three Creek Lake. And then once you're on the Park Meadow trail system, it just opens up uh, miles and miles of uh, backcountry and, and amazing wilderness views. I like, um, you could go south uh, in, from there and you could end up hitting the Green Lakes Trail. You could even shuttle a, a vehicle over there, you know, to, to the Cascade Lakes Highway, kind of come out that way, you know, closer to Bend. You could go north into the um, uh, Camp and Damaris Lake basins and, uh, and even as far north as Pole Creek if you wanted, uh, either shuttle a rig up there to the, to the 15 road or, or just kind of do an out and back or a big loop. Uh, my family and I went up a couple years ago, backpacked into Golden Lake, and really one of the most spectacular places that I had ever been uh, to mm. at, the, at the base of Broken Top, and that um, and you would get to that from that Park Meadow trail system. But Golden Lake, uh, you know, when your kids get a little older, um, that is just uh, an absolute. Uh, I, I can't say enough about how how killer that spot is. In terms of the the hike, the best day hike, if you're camping at the lake and you want to do the best day hike, I mean, Tam MacArthur is probably the best one for like an out and back with like the most rewarding views. Would you say that's fair? Yes, I would. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. hard. Like you get you get up that ramp and then there's really good views of the three sisters and like just about everything. And it's not too it's not too far. Like, I, I feel like it's a good moderate hike. Yeah. I've also seen some amazing pictures of looking back down on Three Creek Lake from mm. the Tamarim Trail, especially at sunrise or sunset. And the, the lake itself looks like a heart. Um, oh, and cool. so if, if you have some, you know, like some good colors in the sunset, which, you know, would certainly be enhanced with a smoke, uh, you could, <laughs> I think, really get some spectacular uh, pictures of, of Three Creek Lake from, the, from Tamarim itself. Okay. So we've talked about, you know, the great, the swimming, the boating, the fishing, the camping, the hiking, like that, that covers a lot of stuff, but what else is the, is there anything we didn't mention about summer at Three Creeks Lake Ian? I know oh, I gave it the S there. See, you just naturally do it. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you, it's almost like you can't help it. I just, I I, and I think I've had a Three Creeks beer at Three Creeks Lake before. <laughs> so I felt, I felt, yeah. I felt pretty good about that. I feel like everyone in Sisters has to, has to do that at some point. But anything we else we didn't mention? Any? You mentioned the equestrians a little bit, but uh, any other types of adventures or things you should know uh, about before heading out there in the summer? Sure. There, there's two other things, Zach, that, that were uh, on my mind. One was the the road access up there on the 16 road has been greatly mm -hmm. improved. And that's yeah. a, that was um, our, and I'm really proud because that was our, our Forest Service road crew did that work. And mm -hmm. they um, hauled all the material, they did the engineering design, and it was essentially a reconstruction. Um, and then they used all the, the equipment, which was government owned. You know, we're very lucky on the Deschutes National Forest to still have a, an in-house road crew that has those skills. And so the dump trucks, the graders, the rollers, uh, excavators, all that equipment, um, they, they did that work this summer. And it's greatly in, improved the access up there. 
especially for people who are towing trailers, whether it's uh, camping trailers or uh, stock trailers, uh, you know, towing horses or, or mules up there or, or even boating trailers. So I think that's uh, that, that was a huge win. So that was one thing. And then the other thing we are, there's a project we're looking at right now up in the Three Creek area, and it's in the very early phases. It's really kind of in our pre-planning uh, process where we're just doing assessment work. We, it will at some point go out to the public for comment, but we're really looking at public safety and recreation access in there. And so mm -hmm. um, improving the recreation experience. So right now there's a lot of unmanaged recreation and, and it just can't sustain the amount of people that Three Creek is getting. So you, you'll see a, a, a maze of social trails, you know, kind of around that south end of the lake. The parking is very limited and uh, people will, um, it, a lot of times there's no ingress or egress for emergency vehicles because people are parking on both sides of the road. The boat yeah. ramp itself has some real limitations. Um, there's really no accessibility for people with disabilities. And so, um, and then even like I mentioned, like Driftwood Campground, some of those sites are just not, you know, what we would what we would really want to see in terms of uh, best design. So, so that'll all kind of tie in uh, down the road. We're not ready yet to engage the public with it. I'm just giving a little bit of a, a tickler, mm -hmm. I guess, on this podcast. Kind of looking at the dam, the parking, um, trailhead access. You know, we, we talked about possibly uh, moving the Tam MacArthur trailhead uh, just because there's so much congestion in that mm -hmm. spot from, you know, because there's so many different things going on there um, that it might make sense to move the Tamarim trailhead. Um, and, we, and we'll t touch on that a little bit on um, the second half of this podcast with the, the trail piece as well. But, um, but yeah, so that, that's, um, that's something else I just wanted to touch on. There will be a project coming, looking up there to, to kind of improve the, the safety component as well as improve the recreational experience for the public. Interesting. So it would be, it would be a thing where you did a little bit of, of everything or proposed doing a little bit of everything, like addressing parking, addressing maybe moving the trailhead, addressing some of the campgrounds where you just like hit a bunch of different aspects of it. Exactly. Yeah. Right now there's, um, there's really no like day use bathroom up there yeah. uh, for yeah. the tremendous amount of day use the lake receives. Um, what happens is people end up using the bathroom uh, if, if they use one at all, um, which, uh, you know, a fair amount of people don't. Um, and that has its own, you know, hazards with, with water quality and, and human health and safety, but um, but people end up using the camp, the bathroom associated with the campground. And so just, you know, thinking about, does it make sense to separate camping and day use a little bit more? What would that look like? Um, and, and certainly when it gets to that point, we will uh, heavily involve the public uh, yeah, yeah. With, those, with those ideas. But yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. There's, there'll be people driving around the campground loop like all the time and you're just like what are they doing um <laughs> looking for parking think, yeah, probably yeah they're they're, yeah. they're looking for parking we eventually figure yeah. that out it's because we actually stop we're like what they're they're just like looking for a place to park in there and yeah so that yeah that makes sense it's not the super unless if you don't have a campsite i could see it being kind of tricky to get in there on a saturday so i mean do you have people just like circling around you know looking for parking spots not being able to find it and then like jamming themselves in somewhere or going like like is that been the issue yes and and what happens another one of the main issues is people will will park on the east side of the road as well even though we you know we have no parking signs and then um, if there was an emergency response need we wouldn't be able to get a you know a, a medical um response or a or a fire engine through 
there. So that's just, that's another piece of it. Um, so yeah, so we, we have some ideas, but we, we certainly, when the time is right, we want to hear from the public on that one. But, um, but yeah, and it's just, you know, again, it's, it's, the, the secret is certainly out on Three Creek Lake. There is no secret anymore. And, and um, so, so, you know, it has an infrastructure that was put in place, uh, you know, decades ago that, that probably, um, you know, has outlived what it, what it was originally intended for and designed for. And yeah. Um, so we, we well, want to make that sounds like the the vast majority of places in in central Oregon at this point kind of right. have you know that same basic issue even state parks really like I mean you know Oregon was designed for a certain number of people and now there's just a lot more. All right. Well, one important thing is that the Three Creeks area isn't just about summer. It's also one of Central Oregon's best areas for winter recreation. To make it happen, you follow that same road, Three Creeks Road, just south of Sisters, and typically stop at Upper Three Creek Snow Park. From here, there are a ton of options, but the most popular is to either ski or snowshoe a handful of miles, following separate trails to reach Jefferson View Shelter. It's a place where most people will eat lunch or warm up, you know, about midway to go on their trip. And despite the name, Jefferson View has one of the absolute best views of the Three Sisters. So Ian, can you talk about what makes the shelter special and also what's going on with the quirkiness of that name? Sure, I, I think, um, you know, for me, what makes it special is the view. And, uh, and it's really, you know, the view of the sisters. Um, you, you can certainly see Mount Jefferson from the, from the shelter itself. And that, and that was, it used to be before the Pole Creek fire, that was all you could see. And, that, and hence the, the name Jeff U. But, but after Pole Creek, uh, the, the landscape really got opened up a lot more. And now it has just, um, you know, million dollar views of the sisters. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just on a clear day, it's absolutely spectacular. So yeah, um, I was going to say, like, I wrote a story about, about going up to that shelter and I've been to most of the shelters. I've kind of, it's a fun little mission in the winter to just, it's a good way to, you know, get through the winter is to just have a little mission to get to all the little snow shelters that are in on Oregon's public lands. There's a ton of them um, that are associated with the snow parks. And I was thinking about the best view of any of them and Jeff you like, because the three sisters are feel just feel so close and and you do have that view of mount jefferson like it's in the top three at least it might has a, have a case for for number one um have you seen a view that's better than jefferson view anywhere in the state oh i i have not spent a lot of time at a lot of different shelters zach um but um yeah it's it's pretty incredible it's it certainly mm -hmm. is um and uh, and it's pretty easy to get to as well. Like it's it's not super challenging. Um, it, it, you know, kids. We've certainly taken younger kids up to it, and and they've done fine. And uh, and it's kind of fun. We, you know, the snowshoe trail. That was a that was an ask when I first got to the district um, from the Sisters Trails Alliance about building that that snowshoe trail. And again, mm -hmm. it, it kind of came back to you know user conflicts and having snowshoers walking in the same trails as cross country skiers. And that, and that can certainly affect uh, the, the, the Nordic skiers. And so the proposal was to build a separate snowshoe trail. And I said, sure, let's do it. And uh, so that became the first uh, designated snowshoe trail on the, on the sisters ranger district. And uh, yeah. And that's one thing that jumped out about that. Now I, I, I like to cross country ski, so I ended up skiing to it, but I have friends that, that snowshoe that route. Um, doesn't it have some pretty good shade? to it because the you know because of the fire 
the the cross country ski route is pretty pretty open, and that's you know can be good and bad in different ways. But isn't there a little bit more sh- uh, a sh- shade on the uh, snowshoe route? Yeah, it kind of right when you start, it goes through us. Uh, it kind of climbs a ridge of, of pretty mature timber, a lot of which didn't burn. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then you kind of go through an open area where you have those those views of the Cascades, and then you'll kind of go right before the shelter. You kind of drop back into a shaded area of some lodgepole kind of uh, lodgepole reprod that's uh that's that's smaller trees and uh and yeah so that that would have some shade there as well but there, there is a good even on the snowshoe trail there's there's a good section in the middle that's pretty wide open what are some other winter recreation options from that area i mean there's <clears throat> you know longer skiing and snowshoeing routes that you can kind of like piece together around jefferson view um i think you can snowmobile all the way into three creek lake so what else do people do in this area in the winter yeah, well, there's a couple of snowmobile clubs that are really active there with, with grooming. And the Sisters uh, Snow Gophers was actually involved with uh, getting that um, the shelter at the upper snow park. Snowmobiling is, a, is certainly very popular up there uh, in the Three Creek area. And, and what's becoming even more popular, well, I would, I would say not more. What, what else is becoming popular is people will snow uh, mobile up to the Three Creek Lake area, and then they will uh, backcountry ski or snowboard from there. So they'll kind of uh, use their sleds to get up to the base of Tamarim, and then they'll um, they'll put their skins on, and, and they'll really have a true backcountry experience. Um, and so, and there's also yurts up there that are available for rent. So you could actually do a, a base out there at Three Creek Lake with uh, you know firewood, you know heat, um, uh, yurts for shelter and um, stay up there at the lake in the wintertime through one of our uh, uh, permit tees, uh, Three Sisters Backcountry. And so that's um, be a really unique experience. And the, the powder up there can just be absolutely incredible, plus the views. Where do people ski in, in that area? Is this the Tam MacArthur Rim down to the lake? Is it the other side? Like where, where is the backcountry skiing taking place primarily? basically working toward uh so be you know from three creek lake it would be working west toward little three creek lake and there's a there's some really uh popular routes over there one of our uh, employees who works here does a fair amount of backcountry up there and uh and then there's named routes there's some that are obviously you know more avalanche uh prone more higher avalanche risk than others but um there's certainly some pretty safe ones you know relatively safe through the trees and, um, and yeah, so that's, uh, you know, that, that, and you can actually get a snowmobile ride up there, uh, through, you know, with Three Scissors Backcountry if you rent one of the yurts. So they will actually pick you up at the snow park, take you up there, and then you can, you know, backcountry ski or snowboard uh, from, from that as your base camp. Um, Three Scissors Backcountry also has another pretty unique experience, which is a, a long uh, Nordic traverse and uh, hut to hut. And so they have two huts on the Deschutes National Forest. Uh, the first hut is closer to the Cascade Lakes Highway, and and I believe it's the the swampy area, um, kind of that kind of that um, 370 road that goes up to Broken Top, and then the second uh, uh, hut is uh, for for the second night is uh, pretty close to Three Creek Lake as well, and uh, those are stocked 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 with food, and uh, and uh, they have uh, wood stoves. And so that's a really unique uh, experience as well. And then you end up basically coming out uh, at the snow park and then they, they shuttle you uh, at, at Upper Three Creek Snow Park. 
Man, that sounds pretty good. I, if I recall, I think uh, Oregon Field Guide did a did a piece on that a little while ago. So if you want to get a visual of that experience, I think uh, Oregon Field Guide did cover that. So okay, well, I think that that sums it up pretty well um, as far as touching on just about everything we could about the, uh, the Three Creek area. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna take a we're gonna take a quick break uh, here from our sponsors. Uh, when we return, we're gonna talk about a new trails plan for the Sisters Ranger District. So stay with us. I'm Tiffany Roddy with Roseburg Forest Products. As a professional forester, I was drawn to Oregon by the trees and the vastness of Oregon's majestic outdoors. I'm proud to work for a family-owned, fully integrated wood products company with a deep commitment to our industry and our communities. Roseburg's sustainably managed timberlands are open for recreation and provide natural wood products that help make people's lives better from the ground up. We are proud members of AFRC, sponsor of the Explore Oregon podcast. Learn more at amforest.org. This message is brought to you by Visit Tillamook Coast. On the Tillamook Coast, we've cared for our forests, farmlands, beaches, and waterways for generations. It's in our DNA, and we bet it's in yours too. While visiting, help us care for our coast. Place trash in garbage cans, pick up after your pet, stay on trails, respect private property, and follow beach fire rules, which means extinguishing fires with water while also checking local rules to avoid igniting wildfires. Tillamook Coast welcomes your visit, and we hope that you'll become a temporary local while here. A few ways to do that include pitching in on a beach cleanup or taking a guided kayak tour to hear about ways to protect bays and rivers. There are science hikes to take, nature preserves and marine reserves to explore, or you can visit a farm, a commercial fishing dock, or even stop by a fish hatchery. Find out about all these options and how to care for our coast at tillamookcoast.com slash caring for our coast. Once again, it's tillamookcoast.com slash caring for our coast. All right, welcome back. Okay, Ian, let's dive into the STAR project. So in a nutshell, what does this project seek to accomplish? Sure. So we haven't really updated the trail system on the district for quite a while, Zach. I know we were starting to work on it in uh, the late 2010s, and then we um, we took a pause on it uh, while we uh, worked on our Central Cascades Wilderness Project, and that was the limited entry uh permit system. So it's been 15 years since we've had any substantial trail expansion on the district. And in that time, we've seen, you know, large increases in <clears throat> recreational use. We've seen user conflicts uh, between different user groups. The, um, the outdoor and recreation economy is over a billion dollars in Central Oregon, and, um, and trails are a big piece of that. So uh, trying to figure out if we have the right trails on the landscape, how to uh, make sure we're providing uh, experiences for everybody and um, 
while minimizing resource impacts. And so this is an opportunity to work on our trail system and also create some opportunities that, that are, are, are possibly missing currently, such as some downhill, uh, you know, kind of flow trails uh, for, for mountain biking or some other opportunities with some spectacular views. Um, one, one is, uh, uh, like we talked about earlier, is that Brush Creek Trail in the Mount Jefferson Wilderness. Uh, another one that, that has some pretty amazing views is the Cache Mountain Trail as well. That would be a, 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 a potential a mountain biking downhill opportunity. Oh, cool. So in the news release, you know, mentioning this, it, it talks about that you're proposing to add 54 miles of non-motorized trail, but that only... 16 miles would be new construction. So can you kind of parse through that? Like if, you know, that sounds great as somebody who loves trails, 54 miles of, of new trail sounds awesome, but only 16 is new construction. So how does that actually work? Well, how are you, how are you planning to do that? Right. So some of the trails are actually not part of our trail system currently, but, but we know they're being used. And so some examples of those are around some of the horse camps. There are some trails that are, are being used by equestrians and they're on old roads that are closed roads. Uh, close to motorized use, but they're um, but they're open to other uses, and so it would be like taking some of those trails and actually formalizing them. You know, giving them a trail number, putting adding them to our official trail system. Cash Mountain Trail is is another one of those. There's a, there's actually a route there currently. Um, it's not part of our official system, but a, a route already exists. So new construction would really be where there is actually no trail tread at all. Um, and one of those, for instance, is a, a trail that's proposed uh, going back to the first part of the podcast in the Three Creek Lake area. And so uh, that would create actually a really uh, unique downhill opportunity from the Three Creek Lake area into Sisters. And it would also avoid uh, kind of the mixed use right now on the Metolius Windigo Trail. So uh, you, you can you can get down there now on the Metolius Windigo. It's not really designed for mountain bikes. And so there's a certainly a potential for some user conflict there between equestrians and, and mountain bikers. So this, this uh, new proposed trail, which would be new construction, that one uh, would alleviate that. Plus just give more of a flow, you know, fast uh, riding opportunity for downhill mountain bikers. And, and even, you know, down the road could actually even open up a potential shuttle opportunity. Uh, we have had wow, some so you would so you're talking about a mountain bike trail that would start at Three Creek Lake and drop all the way back to Sisters on kind of a flow correct. trail? Correct. Correct. That would that be sounds uh, pretty good. Yeah, and it would be the, the Metolius Windigo is on the west side of the 16 road. This trail would actually be on the east side uh, of mm. the 16 road. I think you would get a fair amount of interest. Uh, I in the, I think, I think so too. <laughs> I, I think it would be they could be pretty popular. And like I said, you know, we we've had a couple um, outfitters and bike shops already reach out to us about doing, you know, setting up some shuttle opportunities. And, and I think, you know, if this one, you know, were constructed and it's certainly not, um, you know, we don't know if we would approve it right now without hearing, you know, public comment. Um, but it, it could certainly, you know, um, could certainly set up some interesting, you know, uh, economic, uh, opportunities oh, yeah. and, and, and other opportunities for a, a downhill type shuttle. So what would be the, how, I mean, how far out is that realistically? And you don't have to go into like detail, but like, if you approved it, like that takes what a couple of years. Yeah. I, I, my, my goal is to have a decision, uh, you, you know, a year from now. And so, so that would be, uh, you know, say August of, uh, of 2024, so there's there's a potential chance some construction could happen, you know, that that fall of 2024. Uh, most likely, it would be a 2025 uh, type 
type construction window, but it, it might vary by uh, by different trails. And, and we'll just, mm -hmm. we'll kind of see how this planning process goes. We'll see if there are any, we tried to avoid trails that we knew had significant controversy, such as the the sisters to Blackview Ranch trail that was proposed in the past. We, we intentionally did not, um, did, did not reintroduce that as a, as an option. Well, I mean, you know, I think the best way to talk about this is to talk about some of the interesting routes, though. And so one of them that fits that nicely is the Brush Creek Trail. Uh, we featured it in a story about two years ago because there was a lot of interest from a group in the community about bringing back this trail in the Mount Jefferson wilderness that has, you know, it kind of been burned over by the B&B complex, um, you know, grown up, as, as you kind of talked about. But you know, if you follow it, it's got really good views. It's included in this plan. So why don't you talk about this trail, why it was closed and, you know, how this would reopen it? Sure. So, so what happened is, you know, the BNB fire came through in 2003 and it, it kind of erased the, the trail uh, tread and uh, created, you know, like we talked about earlier, all of the brush uh, regrowth and the down trees and the forest service actually went in and we, we reopened that after the BNB fire but it just wasn't used enough. And so it just kind of um, faded away over time. And uh, so, and, and then of course more trees fell, you know, more brush grew. And so it became, it was on the map still and it became a, a big safety issue because people would come off the Pacific Crest Trail and try to do a loop and they would get stuck down there in the middle on the Brush Creek Trail. And there were several search and rescue efforts um, that, that happened because people got lost down there. Same thing with the, the Sugar Pine Ridge Trail, which, which you know, is a, a similar uh, geography. And um, so the, when I first got to Sisters, uh, I met with uh, the deputy from Jefferson County at the time, Dave Bland, who's no longer with us. And he said, you know, it was just a real public safety concern for them. So, so we really, we put some signs, which we typically wouldn't do in the wilderness, but it said, you know, trail is no longer, trail does no longer exist. and. Um, and then we were, we just you know put it basically on a hold. Um, and I know there were some groups that were really interested in it, and, and we just we asked them for their patience until we did a more comprehensive uh, trail uh, proposal. And so now we're at that time, and, and it is included as one of those that would be uh, that would essentially be reopened. And so it's it's one of those that wouldn't show up as new construction, Zach, uh, but it would mm -hmm. show up as a as a, a realignment. Yeah, restoration kind of a thing. Unless I'm mistaken, while you're reopening Brush Creek Trail, again, talking about the Jefferson, you're also proposing permanently shutting down, I think, Minto Lake Trail, which is also in the Jefferson. So, you know, this plan kind of calls for eliminating some, you know, reopening others, creating new ones. Why shut down the ones, um, you know, that you're seeking to close? Yeah, and, and Minto Lake right now is it has essentially shut itself. I mean, it, it's kind of like the Brush Creek Trail. It's it's pretty much impassable currently. You know, it's it's a proposal. It's what we're proposing. We're just proposing to remove it from the system. It's currently mm -hmm. not passable. At, you know, right now the other one we're proposing, the Wilderness Trail, to remove from the system is kind of that Dry Creek, uh, Hortense Lake in the Mount Washington Wilderness. And and I, I I tried to find that trail years ago. I had an elk tag up there and. And I, and I thought it would be a, a way to kind of access some of that ground. And it, it, it also is pretty much um, no no longer <laughs> existent. And, and it doesn't really go anywhere. That one it doesn't even have like a, like a special view or go to a, a special spot. It just kind of goes from one road to another road. So mm -hmm. what other big highlights? And this we'll, we'll probably wrap up with this. But what are some other things that are part of this plan that might jump out to people? Like if you were going to say, here, here are the big highlights. So we've hit on the mountain bike downhill trail from Three Creeks. We've hit on Brush Creek Trail. You know, what are, what are other big ones that people might be interested in? And they might be like, oh, that sounds cool. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Cache Mountain Trail could be a really exciting trail. Um, has some some spectacular views. There there are a couple of trails close closer to the sisters community. I think that would that would separate a little bit of user conflicts. Um, there are several uh, additions of equestrian trails that would actually add them to the system, and they're and they would help connect the Whispering Pine and uh, and Sisters Cow Camp uh, horse camps. So uh, you know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have equestrian uh, camps without trails where where people can ride horses. So I think that those are you know those are pretty exciting. And then for me, the other one, there's there's a lot of work needed in um, Canyon Creek Meadows area and uh in the mount jefferson wilderness and so really kind of trying to do some restoration work still keeping of course the trails and access open but just there's a kind of a spider web and a network of of uh, social trails in there and so getting those back into one um, system trail uh, that provides access to the good views and the things that people want to see up there in canyon creek meadows including the mountain goats including the, the glacial tarn um, you know, including the wildflowers, all of those things, why people, why that's such a, a, an amazing, uh, loop hike opportunity. Yeah. Okay. So that, that, I mean, that would be certainly of interest. So you would be trying to establish because at this point, like you come to that, that sign that says, you know, you're, you kind of come to the end of the road, right. for like the maintain trail. So this would just be bringing that all together. Cause you do have to kind of go search out for some of that stuff that you mentioned, like the wildflowers and that probably leads to the user trails. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that one's okay. called that one's called the Glacier View Trail realignment in in the in the public scoping document. So, so if people want to understand this plan as a whole, like, what's the best way to do it? Like, I mean, when I was trying to look at it, and I didn't have as much time, I was kind of just looking at the maps and looking at like, oh, they they want to you know add one or rehabilitate one there. I'm seeing they want to take one off there. Is there a good way for people? But I didn't see though like the downhill mountain biking one from three creeks so like if people want to understand it and they do want to comment um what's the best how would you suggest going about doing that basically go to the deschutes national forest website and then click on up at the top of the screen a little tab that says managing the land and then go to projects and then scroll down to sisters trails additions and realignments and then you can click on the scoping document there that basically tells what what we're proposing and if you have comments the more specific the better um, you there's a email address in that letter where you would send those comments to and uh, if you can do that by September 5th that would be uh, greatly appreciated I just I just wanted to acknowledge our recreation team here at the Sisters Ranger District so Sarah Boffman uh, she's our recreation team leader and she does an amazing job um, Skylar Ogden, Sarah Rodriguez, Jesse Larson, Charles White, and Chase Client are permanent employees. And then we also have a bunch of temporary employees that help us get this work done as well. And then um, finally, just a shout out to our, our permittees uh, that are under a special use permit in the Three Creek area. And so that's uh, Three Sisters Backcountry, Three Creek Lake, Store and Marina, and then finally Vista Recreation. The three of them really help us deliver a high quality recreation experience to the American public and to our international visitors. All right. Well, I've been joined by Ian Reed, the district ranger for the Sisters Ranger District in Deschutes National Forest. Thanks so much, Ian. Thank you, Zach. It was a pleasure. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. If you liked what you've heard, check out our catalog of more than 60 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com explore along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resources Council, 
AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for the future. Learn more at amforest.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast. If you want to plan a trip out there, you can check out their outdoor recreation map that shows all the places to hike, swim, boat, and camp. You can find that map at tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. Once again, that's tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.